The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Sunday recap in the world of golf. Joining me to break it all down, Mark Immelman, not only here, but there. Hello, Mark. I'm there. Uh, There is cold over the last little while. There has been wet. We've had hail. We've had sleet. We've had it all. It's been eventful. In fact, I took on the final hope going down 10. The sunset was incredible. But we first had like a rain squall run through and it looked wild. And five minutes later, the sun was shining. So I took a video that I'm going to put up in a minute because it's amazing how the conditions have changed in the blink of an eye. Yes, we've been uh, battling Mother Nature all week. It looks bad on TV, and uh, you're you're out there in the elements. So thanks for joining. Greg Ducharme here. Hello, Greg. Uh, hello, boys. Uh, I'm sure Mark's going to be getting some soup order, room service afterwards. At least that's what I would go with. I Can don't I know if you want a choice, Mark. Can I add a bourbon to that uh, soup order? Yeah, sure. That sounds like a good choice. <laughs> yeah, cold and nasty, but uh, about nine more to go. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's been kind of wild how this thing has turned out, uh, up and down roller coaster, and uh, I'm nine more to go on Monday. Yeah, not quite done at Pebble Beach, as Greg mentions. About nine to go for these golfers. Kyle Porter here, KP. Um, we don't usually do a Sunday night recap without having a winner. I know it's odd, and and we've got a we've got obviously a big week next week. It's kind of a weird uh, bridge between between Pebble and Phoenix. Um, but yeah, finish it off on Monday. I, I think. I mean, we'll talk about it. I think Rose is going to hang on, but uh, man, I, it's hard not to look forward to Phoenix already. I know we're not there yet, but it's really hard not to look forward to. Not quite there. Not quite there. All right. Here, here's where we're at. And Mark, you can kind of speak to this. It has been just a, a plethora of, of some weather delays. And when you have a three course rotation and you have to stop play on one golf course, you have to stop play on all three golf courses. And these were already long rounds with amateurs out there. And when we get done on Sunday night with, with no daylight left, Justin Rose currently in the lead has eight and a half holes to play. He has already hit his tee shot on number 10. And that is it. So probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours of play on Monday morning to complete this. 
Yeah, it has been crazy. I don't know if you guys spoke about it in the post-game show last night, but, you know, we came on the air and I had um, I had Gareth Bale's group alongside uh, – I'm drawing a complete blank here. Anyways, so we're going down 14 to par 5, and um, the ball's over the back of the green, and all of a sudden they blow the horn because of the winds. And the lead rules official there, Gary Young – He's right there. So I'm like, so what's the story? I know it's windy, but we're not having balls move and stuff. And he goes, well, it's over in the ninth green at the Monterey Peninsula. And so I'm like, so we're just basically a victim of what they're doing. And he goes, yeah, because we're trying to keep every golf course within 30 minutes of each other. So they stopped there for a while and then we waited and then we waited for the updates and then the rain came in and stuff. And so eventually they called the day because it was just going to be risky to send someone out there for like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes and call them back in. But it got us behind the eight ball and that means it's a Monday finish. And truth be told, I'm a little surprised they got in as much golf as what they th- what we did today. Uh, the pace of play was pretty good given there were two tees, uh, threes help, uh, and the wind was challenging, but it wasn't the kind of wind that was like unplayable. And then the PGA to a rule staff, you've got to hand it to them because for the last uh, two and a half days, they haven't mowed the greens. They've rolled them, but they've just kept the greens uh, from being cut. So they aren't tending to want to roll out so much. And so it's a bit more receptive and certainly more playable. So it's been, you know, nimble and nip and tuck from the rules officials and stuff, but it has been challenging to, to manage the three courses. Yeah, it certainly has. Well, they're all back at Pebble Beach now, which is which is good. And Justin Rose, Greg, atop the leaderboard, two shots clear of Denny McCarthy, Brendan Todd, Peter Malnati, three shots clear of Taylor Pendrith, who's done. He actually, he gets to go home. He gets to go do whatever he wants, get out of town. Bo Hosler, Keith Mitchell, Brandon Wu. This would be, if he can hang on, Rose's first victory since the 2019 Farmers. Yeah, and boy, a lot has happened since then. Um, you think about 2008, at the end of that year, he was number one in the world. Um, and in fact, I think he went into the Masters in 19, number one in the world um, before missing the cut. But it, he was he was playing such great golf then and he made a lot of changes and he changed his equipment. And even when he won the Farmers, he didn't really know where the ball was going. And he kind of fell off. He, he completely fell off with his game. Uh, and, and even when he did contend, it was usually because of great short game and much improved putting. Uh, and, and this week, I, I think you're seeing some of the ball striking really come back. I mean, today, especially, he hit the ball beautifully, not just in the morning round, but um, well, finishing up the morning round, but also this first nine holes, he hit, he hit it really nicely. A couple putts maybe a little tentative, but he hit the ball really well. And uh, Rosie looks in control. He looks calm. He looks, uh, he looks comfortable out there, which is really nice to see. He's played a lot of golf today, Kyle. He actually finished his third round by making a birdie while a deer was on the green. Very normal thing to do. And then uh, plays six and seven at Pebble in five total strokes. That's an eagle on six, birdie on seven. So those are the big highlights for Rosie here. Can you imagine playing those two holes in in five strokes? Nope. I mean, that's... That's super impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Okay. I've got it pulled up right here. I was thinking about this earlier. I was on HQ and I couldn't, I couldn't get the numbers in time. So he's got 
what is he's through nine is that right through yeah yeah. he's he's teed off on 10 teed off on 10 so the scoring average on the front is 34.6 pretty low scoring average on the back is 36.3 so it's about two strokes harder on the back i'm curious the thing i was thinking about rick is he played the front pretty well i mean i think he gained a stroke or i think he gained a stroke or half a stroke or whatever he shot 33. 33. So stroke and a half. Yeah. Uh, c- can he play the back and even tomorrow and win? Or does he have to go like one under, two under, something like that? I, I, I almost I almost think he can play it and even and win the golf tournament. It Well, look, it's all weather dependent. Um, I, I would say if the weather is fine, then I, don't, I think he has to creep under par a little bit because – with the golf course being as receptive as what it is, the golf course's only defense, if there's no rain or wind, is is the fact that the ball won't be traveling as far in the cold air tomorrow morning. So folks aren't going to be hitting short irons to greens. But as receptive as what it is, Kyle, it, it could be open season. So I'd have to say he's got to go and get it some. The last couple of years when I've been on the call here, I've had the two winners in Berger and Hoagie last year. And both times the weather was good. Uh, but you had to go and play. You had to finish. And so I'm saying, I'm not sure what his lead is right now, but if he plays his last, if, if he shoots under par, his last few, his last nine holes, I, I think he wraps it up. But it's also, also no bargain because you talk about the differential between the front and the back nine. The way the wind was blowing today is that all the holes going out in the front were downwind. And then the par five, six was a win from the right, which is comfy for a right-hander. Coming into, coming in the finish, Everything from 12 inwards is into like a left to right wind, which is obviously the most uncomfortable there is for any right-handed golfer. So it's no picnic coming in. So so I have to to think that if someone can post, like if Pendrith had made that putt, I would have been like, you know, that's a pretty stern target if the weather is rough tomorrow morning and there is a chance for it. Yeah, it looks like this is the same, the north wind. We're expected a north wind tomorrow. That's the same. I know today it was like north out of the northwest. Is that right, Mark? Um, yeah, yeah. Expected north to be west. north about you know fifteen mile an hour on the high end tomorrow. Mm, yeah, no, that's that, that and that's enough if, with that northerly wind because that means you're into the wind for from holes twelve inward. So you got to play. Right. The thing, Rick, I'll set you up on this because I know this we're going to talk about next, but I, I don't know. <sighs> I mean, the guys behind him, it's like, okay, Denny McCarthy played great on the front. Is he going to shoot 62 to win the tournament? He could, I guess. Brendan Todd, okay. Peter Malnati, not a ton of firepower. Hostler and Mitchell and Brandon Wu. I I think actually those three guys are more interesting than the the three guys tied for second. Uh but yeah, I, I agree with Mark. I think if if Rose plays the last nine in thirty five, he he probably wins. I I think that's probably right. I don't. I think he's got to play it. If he plays it at one over or even even, I, the sheer number of guys who are close yeah. enough worries me. Right? It's not. It's Good not point. Todd individually. It's not Denny individually. It's that there's like six of them who yeah. who who could get there. Which you know you think one of them might go off and shoot something as you mentioned. Uh, Denny McCarthy out in twenty nine. He made a couple of uh, bogeys on the back nine, but he's currently seven under par. With he's got 
three to go. So there's, there's plenty in the chase pack. Um, Greg, I'll throw this to you. Of those guys in the chase pack, who are who should Justin Rose be most worried about? Yeah, um, well, Brendan Todd stands out because of uh, his ability on the greens. And I think Malnati has that same ability. But uh, with Malnati, I just worry about the the ball striking seems very unreliable, especially <laughs> off the tee. Peter um, Malnati's ball striking seems unreliable. Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he hit some shots offline for sure. So um, I, I definitely would, he would be uh, towards the, bottom of this very small list. So no disrespect to Peter Malnati, but Brendan Todd would have my interest. And the, the next guy would be a Keith Mitchell because he's driving the ball so well. And, and I think um, when, when you start playing into the wind holes, uh, the ability to drive it really well and get it in play off the tee and keep it out of the, um, you know, some of the penalty areas that you have, I guess they're kind of, he's th- really through most of the penalty areas. Um, but it, but anyway, besides the point, I think a, a guy like Keith Mitchell, who's really striking it well, really hitting it well, and he's at 12 under par. If he goes out and shoots three under for the next eight holes that he has, I, I don't think that's um, completely out of the out of the question. Um, so, I, yeah, I would say the way that he's played all week has been really clean. Uh, and if you I could see him putting three more circles on the card tomorrow morning, he'd be the guy um, that, that I probably have my eye on the most. I'm, I'm kind of with you. Greg, I think from Mitchell's point of view, he's got to start to find a way to give putts a chance to go in. I, I didn't see much of what he was doing. He was behind me. But I did hear that every putt he was missing was kind of on the low edge. And yeah. That's the one thing about this golf course with the green small. If you're kind of hole high, you've always got something that's breaking either right to left or left to right because of the tilt of the greens. And with the greens being a little slower, he was having a tough time accustomed, getting accustomed to just hitting them a little harder. So I figure if he can work that out some, you would think the quality of the ball striking would give him a chance. But I'm sort of leaning towards Brendan Todd. I mean, he was right in front of me. I was I had Victor Victor Hovland's group, and Hovland was striking the ball fine, but just not making anything. Um, and Todd, every time I turned around, he was hitting beautiful shots into the greens, making putts. And I've just been texting with his uh, his mental coach Ward Jarvis, and, and he, Ward told me they've been doing a whole bunch of work on just mental games and stuff. You know, putting from eight. 10 feet sort of getting intentional about what you're doing and he says he's really been making grand strides and then you add to that he's picked up oh i think it's like seven or eight miles an hour with a clubhead speed with a driver uh, alongside bradley uses instructor and this was over the break so he's hitting it longer the iron game looks really sound from what i was seeing and he's making all the putts that are meaning something right now so with him having what's it five holes i think left i think he has the chance to post something because consider this for a minute if you got that northerly wind right you got 15 16 um 17 crosswind 18 into the wind if you post something that tee shot on 18 is not the happiest thing in the world, man. And we saw that with Taylor Pendrith today. So so I think if you post, then you know, not that first in will win, but first in will give you a good chance. I'll tell you what, uh, Brendan Todd, currently 13 under par, could be at 14 under within seconds of restarting. He's got a seven-footer for birdie coming up on 13 that you know he's going to roll on the practice greens tomorrow morning about hundred times before he goes out there. And fresh greens, we talked to Mark Dusbabek, and he said – 
where they hadn't cut the greens for the last few days because of the wind. They're going to give them one cut to, and a roll tomorrow. So the greens will be fresh. And yeah, and he's rolling it good and he's going to go and rehearse that. Thing oh, yeah. I, I think that also helps Keith Mitchell, by the way. If, once you get a cut on him, he's not going to have to worry about hitting him harder. Um, but it, it definitely helps Todd, the Todd father, too. One, <laughs> one cut and a roll. This is the. Uh, Rick, this is the most like bad ball striker, great putter leaderboard ever. Yeah, I know. Between so McCarthy, Todd, Malnati, Hostler, uh, Woo's, he's a decent ball striker, but it's pretty crazy. Like how many great putters and just not great ball strikers there are in the top five here. Yeah, that's that's a team putt leaderboard, not a team no putt leaderboard. <laughs> um, so what KP- happens when you have, nobody's in the field. <laughs> uh, KP, I'll throw this right back to you. We can kind of put a bow on on Pebble. We'll move on to some other things here. But uh, Jordan Spieth, the favorite to win this golf tournament, uh, made the cut on the number. He is currently in a tie for 67th. He's two over in his final round. He shot a 75 in round three. There are a lot of things that you could say about this week with the on again, off again, and the weather and the course rotation. But 59 days out from Augusta national level of concern for Jordan Spieth. Uh, It's not low. I don't know if it's high, but it's not low. I mean, he's not, he's not playing golf. If you go back to, uh, let's see here. So he misses the cut at Sony T13 at tournament of champions, whatever. There's like 40 guys in that field. 15th at the hero world challenge out of 20, uh, 52nd at the CJ cup. I mean, what, what's the, what? Well, he, he won the match. <laughs> he, he won he the match he and he got well. five full points at the president's cup. <laughs> he did play great at the president's cup. I, I just, and listen, like I think with any of these guys, and maybe especially with Spieth, it can flip. I mean, we saw it in Phoenix. What was that? Uh, two years ago, when yeah. she's sixty-one on Saturday. So it can flip very quickly. I, I just don't know, like who I'm confident that he's gonna beat at, like of the top twenty guys at Phoenix. Like, is Jordan Spieth gonna beat Rory or Rahm in a four-round tournament right now? No. So if that's true, then yeah, I, I, he's, he's just, so I said this on HQ, Rick, he's not hitting the ball. Well, he hasn't, I mean, his putting is fine, I guess, but in the past when he, when he's been hitting it badly, he he's, he has this unbelievable ability to put together a score, right? We've seen it at the open championship. We've actually seen it at pebble quite a bit even when his game was in just disarray, he would put a score together and he's not doing that right now either. So I, I'm not like panic city, but I don't, you know how high I am on Spieth going into the masters usually. And I don't, I don't feel that right now, given how many other players are playing very well. Oh, you made a good point there, but you, I want to quickly take a, a step back to president's cup because I called him for four of the five rounds there and he hit the thing all over Charlotte. And and made putts everywhere. And then remember, of all the matches, he's got a partner in JT for four of them. And JT was doing the lion's share of the work in the alternate shot because of the the, the setup of the golf course. Like if you teed off first, you had the most of the tee shots and you didn't hit approach shots. So it was working out well. He just found a way on the green speeth. And the guy I'm sort of seeing this week, I made a point of going to watch him 
he just d- doesn't look convinced uh, in what he's doing. Like earlier in the season, I saw he had ditched the the, the backswing that like um, sort of special move. He was trying to get the club a little bit more in line at the top, but. Uh, I'm seeing the guy who had given that up and seemed like he was confident and that this week he's back to that thing. So it tells me he's a little unsure where the golf swing is and then he's got a bit of a two-sided miss going on. And so it's all just lack of confidence. I think he knows where he's going. But right now, I'm I'm with you. Spieth at Augusta National is a special thing because it brings out his best. But you've got to be able to hit it around then. I'm just not sure where he is. And I think you could argue, somebody said this in the chat, and it's true. You could argue that Spieth at Pebble brings out, uh, maybe not his best, but something close to it. And there's been a lot of weather. There's been a lot of weird stuff this week. But... I think it's concerning that he's been like pretty bad at Pebble, a place that, you know, Rick, like he's talked about getting out of his head and living in the external, I think is what he called it. And Pebble's a place that'll do it for him. And it, if Pebble's not doing it, then I I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think there's some question marks around Spieth going into the elevated stretch starting next week. That's a really good point you make there because remember, we've been playing lift, clean, and place for four rounds here. So if you hit the thing in the fairway, you get to put your hands on it and they're moving at a club length and you get yourself a good lie. And then the greens are like dartboards, they're so wet. So I, I have not seen all of his golf, but I'm expecting he's not playing from the fairway very much. And so then you can't control distance and direction to these tiny targets. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a challenge. Uh, we've got driving accuracy right here. He's. Uh, <laughs> well, he hit nine of fourteen on in round three, but only four of eleven in the fourth round. So, yeah, not great. Not not getting to touch touch the ball uh, much there. All right, so we're, we'll conclude the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am on Monday morning. I believe the coverage or the rounds will resume eleven a.m. Eastern, eight a.m. Pacific. I believe is what. Yes, I'm getting head nods, which is generally a good sign, and it'll probably take an hour and a half, two hours to conclude this event, and we will be on to Phoenix. Not quite there just yet, though. Quick roundup in the rest of the world of golf because a lot happened here, Greg. In early morning in Saudi Arabia, Abraham Anser wins the Saudi International. This has kind of been dubbed the Live Golf preseason because of the (laughs) roster, but it did get Cam Young out, who finished second. Lucas Herbert out, who finished third. And Anser hoists a trophy that is nearly the size of him, which I can say because I'm also like just as tall as Abraham answers. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. You guys, you're probably comparable. Uh, he's the one guy that I could, I could take in a fight. Uh, <laughs> the one professional athlete I try to take would be Abraham answer. He'd be. Wow. I don't know. I feel like he might be a little feisty. Yeah, I'd still lose. I'd be be very worried about that. Yeah, I could see that being a quick drop. uh, (laughs) Quick. I'd be begging for mercy quickly. Right. But anyway, yeah. A nice win for him. Uh, Nice performance from Cam Young. And for, you know, for both of these guys to go out and play some really good golf together in the final round, they were also leading the way. Um, uh, Abraham answer was leading Cam Young heading into the final round as well. So that was a, a really, you know, nice group, right? Two guys playing some really good golf. They both shot 68 in the final round. Um, it was 64s and 65, a 64 out of answer and a 65 out of Cam Young in the round prior. And they played some really nice golf. I didn't get to see much of this, uh, especially early this morning. But Abraham Answer is 
he's no joke. The guy can, the guy can really play. And, um, and, and he took it another step farther, uh, today. Couple other notables here, KP. Paul Casey, fifth. Mito, T6. Joaquin Neiman, Matt Wolf, T10. And on the wrong side of the cut line, Cam Smith, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. I'll, so, okay. A couple things. I was just looking at the field rating here. So we got people in the chat saying, oh, great win for Abraham Answer. It's fine. I mean, if you like, you know, elite corn fairy tour wins it's a it's a bad field i mean the field rating for the for the saudi is like halfway between it's like three quarters of the way to the to the to pebble is pebble a good field no and so if it's only three quarters of the pebble field is it a great win I mean, I agree with Greg. Like Abraham, Abraham Answer is a very good player. I think he's pretty fun to watch. I think he's very interesting. But I think sometimes when you have fields that include big names, like a handful of big names, they get sort of they they get sort of uh, over exaggerated in terms of how good they actually are. It's not a it's not a great field. And the Cam Smith thing. First of all, why is what are, what are you doing, Cam Young? Why, why is Cam Young going to Saudi Arabia right before the Phoenix Open? Yeah, I'm assuming he got paid. Well, you know what? Like he got paid. Trust me. That, that's it's not a great look. Like uh, anyway, whatever. Uh, all you Cam Smith stands that have been just popping people on Twitter for the last six months, come get your boy who can't even make the cut at the at the Saudi International. Okay. Like Cam Smith, great player. He's had a nice run. He's not, he's, he's not John Rahm. He's not Rory. He's not JT. He's not generationally good. He got hot for a couple of years. Great. Like that happens to guys. And I think there's just such a illiteracy around like what Cam Smith is as a player. And I'm just exhausted of it because that's all people talk about. Kyle, good job, man. Well said. Now, you, you, you talk about Cam Smith. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with you. Look, I will tell you this. Cam Smith is really good. I would like to camp out and talk about Brasson DeChambeau and Phil Mickelson for a little bit because Brasson was like the second coming of the Messiah just a short year ago. You know, and then Lord knows it's like a soap opera week in and week out. And his equipment manufacturers ditched him. It's going nowhere. How about consider this for a minute. The longest driver in the professional game is not getting paid to use a driver. Folks couldn't touch it. They wouldn't touch him if if they had a 10-foot pole. And then there's Phil. Every time you get a microphone in front of him, it seems like he is the mouthpiece for the folks who are doing golf over on the other side of the world. So I'm I'm finding those two cases curious. Cam Smith, people miss cuts. That happens. You know, you get to a course, the game's not there, doesn't fit your eye, that sort of thing. I don't think that's going to be commonplace, but the other two, golly, I'm I'm not shocked. Bryson shooting a couple rounds in the mid-70s. What is happening is my question. Cam Smith's not going to miss a lot of cuts because his his league doesn't have one. So <laughs> good part. Forgive me, I missed on that one. Yeah. But I mean, you're you're right about Bryson. Bryson is <laughs> he seems disinterested in playing professional golf at a high level. And it, and it and it's like it, it it's a bummer to me because he's so fun and interesting to cover. 
and I think he, I think a lot of what he's done should be applauded. And, uh, he just is, it's almost like he won the U S open and then he got bored. I'm not saying that's what happened. That's what it feels like sometimes a little bit. It's like, Oh, I won the U S open. What else is there? Okay. I'm going to go to the long drive competition and go to Saudi Arabia and play live. And I, it, it stinks because I think he had a re and, and still does have a real opportunity to, I don't know if he's general could be generationally good, but he's, he, he, he could win multiple majors and win a bunch and he just doesn't have it right now. I don't know if that's injury related. I don't know if it's focus or practice related, but there's something going on with him that it just doesn't add up right now. He, he did have um in December, I was reading about this on Friday. He did have a surgery. He got a cyst removed in his sinus. Okay. And this is the thing that went back to when he was feeling dizzy at the Masters back in 2020 when he said Augusta National was a par 68. Uh, <laughs> I guess he had been feeling vertigo ever since. But after he, in reading his quotes, he talked about how much better he was feeling and how he was speaking more clearly which is a strange thing to uh, read. Um, but, but anyway, he was talking about all that and how much, how it's the best thing he's ever done in his life. And he's back and he's, he's great. But he'd also mentioned that he'd kind of given up on the speed training. So I, you know, I, I wonder if he went down that path, it worked and then it, and then it stopped working. And then he questioned, everything comes into question. How did it, what do you mean stopped working? Uh, he he's not speed training and he gave up on speed training, but he did blame. This is interesting. Mark, you brought up the equipment. He blamed the um, equipment. He said golf equipment isn't ready to handle someone playing at 200 mile an hour ball speeds. So it's there's not, not a driver. It's the equipment's that fault. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So his, so, his last 15 events, Rick, I'm going to go back to the farmers last year. So one, exactly one year ago, miscut WD T 58, miscut, miscut, miscut T 56, 10th T eight at the open at St. Andrews. That was, that was interesting. T 31 T 17. These are live events. T 31 T 17 T eight, 14 T 21 miscut. He's not a good professional golfer right now it's uh, you i think you kind of put it pretty 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 well like bryson has always been uh very very good at things he's very interested in but if he's not very interested in it i i don't think you get like the guy's personality is one it might he might have an addictive personality right like when he gets involved in something and he really wants to do it he's gonna go nuts he's gonna put on 40 pounds he's gonna become a youtube star i watched him i was in mesquite for the long drive it was unreal impressive, right? It was like, mm-hmm. it, it was crazy, but it's just like, now he's on to the next thing and I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe he's going to start his own equipment company. Maybe, I, I don't know. So it, it is, it is seemingly uh, like my mom told me, like you can do whatever you put your mind to. Like Bryson like has to put his mind to something to find success at it. That's a good take. I, I'll never forget. It. I had an hour long conversation with Bryson about technique and everything that he did. And and I always got the sense that he, his answers, he was trying to prove always that the decisions he made were right. Mm-hmm. And it was like he had a chip on his shoulder and all the naysayers, he was out to prove them wrong. And, and then, 
he was trying to spend a long time convincing the world that if he gained uh, a stroke off the tee, you know, that's going to make him downright unbeatable. But the way I've watched golf through the years, the really good ones, Tiger was long off the tee. He was like like crazy long, but he was the best iron player in the game. And if you want to shoot low consistently, it's not the it's not the tee ball. Driving it long is an advantage. It's not a guarantee. Uh, if uh, and just hitting quality iron shots is, is how you're going to give yourself opportunities for birdie. All the greats have done so, and I feel like the way he did it with those upright irons, with a very weak grip, with an end of range motion he was doing, you know, rotating the forearms over, it was always going to be hard. Um, and then you add speed to that mix. Then you start, you know, when you start missing as a professional distance control wise, then you got yourself some issues. They can tighten it up left and right, but it's the long and the shorts that are the thing. And so he just got super long and then couldn't control those upright, very strong irons of his. And I feel like that's where the thing started to go sour. And then, Rick, perhaps then you're like, well, goodness gracious, I'll just try and hit the driver as hard as I can and become a bit of a. Show pony, if you will. Two quick things, Rick, before we move on. One, I think Bryson is. is, So, so you you talk to guys like Spieth, Rory. uh, Those are the first two I think of. JT, they're obsessed with golf. Like, if they didn't play golf, they would be in golf in some capacity. Like, they can't. Like they're just ad- addicted to to being great at golf, and I think Bryson is not obsessed with golf. I think he's obsessed with <laughs> Bryson and like um, the sort of magnification of his own ability to do anything, whether it's YouTube or a long drive or whatever. And I think when that happens and you start to go down these other rabbit holes, then all of a sudden you forget about the thing that made you relevant to begin with, that puts you in the position to be relevant to begin with. And I think that's not, I'm not even like blaming him for that. I think that's just like sort of his personality. You, you alluded to that earlier. And I think that's why we kind of see him in the position that he's in, which is not even in the top hundred in the world in the OWGR or the data golf rankings, which, you know, whatever you want to say about the OWGR, he's just not a top hundred player right now. Second thing is Bryson misses the cut in Saudi Arabia. And we've talked about him for 20 minutes. I mean, I think yeah. it, I think it shows you like what a, do I, I started that. I'm sorry. No, I think it shows you like what a, and, and I tweeted this, I think last week, like I miss Patrick Reed, Bryson, um, Brooks, like some of these guys being on the PGA tour, because it creates this friction and tension that you don't get when they're not on the PGA tour. And I, I legitimately miss that. And we can still talk about him, obviously, even if he's not playing on the tour, but it does make it easier when he's kind of integrated into the Phoenix open or Riviera and different events like that. Bryson uh, was using a stealth two, I believe this week in Saudi Arabia, Taylor made uh, corn fairy, Greg Pearson cootie. At it again. How about this guy? Wins a three-way playoff at the Panama Championship for already his second Corn Ferry Tour vic- vic- victory in just 14 starts. Yeah, this is um oh, kind of a wild story. And the one for one, the Panama Championship was playing some it was playing really difficult. Yeah, the winning score was three under. That got you into a playoff. And mm. it was Sick. at, I believe, after I, on Friday, the lead was five under. 
um, and counting. So it, it, you know, it, it went, it went down on the way through, which was quite interesting, but yeah, for Pearson Cootie, this is second win. Um, and he's had a couple of missed cuts out there. He's had kind of a roller coaster of, of a ride, but this is how you get it done on the PGA tour. I mean, I, I on the corn Ferry tour, this is how you get to the PGA tour. I was looking through some of the highest finishers last year uh, on the money list on the corn Ferry tour and how many cuts they missed. And I think it was three out of the top five finishers on the corn Ferry tour money list missed nine or more cuts. Yeah. Um, the, so you, you have to perform well when you're playing well, you got to go win. The winning tournaments is the key where sometimes on the PGA tour, you, you can have a great finish on the season without winning. Uh, you can make it to East Lake without winning. You can, um, you, you know, you can contend at East Lake without winning if you play consistently enough near the top. But on, on the corn Ferry tour, winning is everything. And if you can hold trophies, uh, you're well on your way to the PGA tour. So yeah, two wins under his belt so far is uh, quite a start for an incredibly talented player. Yeah, one one of the ways that a lot of guys get their tour card market is th- you see a lot of Corn Ferry Tour seasons that are like win, miscut, 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 third, miscut, miscut, fourth, miscut, miscut, second, right? Just like get all your points in the six times a year you play really well. <laughs> well, it's how they're being bred coming out. I mean, I, I saw it front and center today when – there was a guy in the group alongside um, Victor Hovland, young man named Brent Grant. Um, hits it hard, man. I watched him some in Torrey Pines last week too. He hits it hard, but the knock on him is that the closer he gets to the green, the worse it starts to become. And as I watched him play today, he's just raw. You get up on the tee and you just smash it as hard as you can. And then if you hit a few greens and you make a few putts, you're going to shoot something low. And then you do that four times on the Corn Ferry Tour and you get yourself a win. And they're coming out that way. But when you get to a place today where there's crosswinds and stuff and you've got, you know, you got to manage flowers because golf balls are damp and wet and stuff like that, I was just watching him on, on, on seven downhill, that little par three. He said it over the green in the back bunker. I want you shot link guys to look. I bet you it was the only ball that was long on number seven the entire day long. And that just shows you it's just go hard. And if it doesn't work out, you know, then you just go on to the next week. And I'm sure because they're also talented that they will learn their craft. But but it's, it's, it's sort of the modern day game. You know, it's the power game. The ball flies fast and high and you've got to hit the thing hard. And so the... The crafting, the shot making, the sort of the Justin Thomas sort of stuff, that is a learned skill that they have to learn to be relevant at the highest level, at the very highest level consistently. For those interested, May 4th, 2020, Brent Grant was on this podcast. You can go back and listen to our conversation. It was during the COVID break. Uh, I think they were playing Outlaw Tour, and we got it was Dylan Wu. Wow. Brent Grant, KK Limbasu came on. They're played on the Outlaw Tour. Uh, he who is now on the, who could forget. He is now on the PGA Tour and in the mix uh, here at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro MKP. Uh, real quick on this, Pearson Cootie. I mentioned it's two. It's two Corn Ferry wins over 14 starts. They're over two seasons. This is gonna. I, I hope this doesn't end up to being a situation where in three months we're like, how is this guy like? How is this guy not on the PGA Tour? There should be a path for a guy like Pearson Cootie to be on the PGA Tour. Uh, real quick, Mark, who'd you say was the longest on number seven? Brent Grant. 
Grant was there, and he was was he the only one in the back bunker? <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, it's just freaking rip it, and if the wind has <laughs> I mean, it he hit this ball, he hit it in the back bunker, and I looked at my spotter Craig. I'm like, I just shook my head, and he, and, and Craig, who is a good golfer, but you know, not an expert, he's like, wow, because this child, he just he just goes crazy crazy hard. That's what they do, the youngsters. There was only like four, five guys long in total, and nobody yeah. was really all that close yeah, to that back bunker. <laughs> you look at that shot trail, I bet you every single good player was in underneath that flag about anywhere 15 <laughs> to 25. He, he was he was like 20 feet longer than anybody else, like for deeper. Yeah, into we can the... show show my can we show my screen, Troy? I have it up here. Yeah, here here it is. Can you see? Brent grants this one in the back, <laughs> in the back bunker. <laughs> Everybody else's. And then and, uh, I love I love this kid. I mean, he's so uh, animated on back on I don't know the fourth or whatever it was. He holds his curler from like thirty feet, and he gives us the biggest fist pump you've ever seen. And I, <laughs> I was like, what is he contending to win? And then he hits it in the back bunker, and it's an unreal bunker shot out there, and lips it out. And you know, it's all histrionics, and he falls over in the sand and stuff and i wanted to say to him yeah you walk out here with three and you're going to remember the bunker shot would you do that one more time and when you least need to and you hit a dumb shot like that it's going to cost you so yeah you made three this time but it's only going to last so long man to answer your question rick uh yeah i mean listen i've been pretty loud about what i think uh is a policy that needs amending which is getting young potential stars up to the pga tour as quickly as possible and i think i mean there's a there's a way to do it there's a path to do it you know we've and we've seen to the tour's credit we've seen this with the pga tour university it's like hey if you do the if you do these things it's a pretty high bar but if you do these things you get a tour card like you're you're in Right. And I think you could apply the same template to the Corn Ferry Tour so you don't have Ja Morant in the G League for, you know, a season and a half. And, you know, the flip side of that is like, would Justin Thomas be Justin Thomas if he didn't have to grind on the on the Corn Ferry Tour for a year? Probably, but maybe not. You know, I, I think there is some sort of uh, overcoming adversity that's developed in, on the Corn Ferry Tour that I, I I, I, you know, it, I go back and forth on what I want, but I think if you're the tour and your product is like young, good stars, which is every major sports league's product uh, in terms of what they're presenting to fans, then yeah, like you need a gateway to get those guys to the biggest events as quickly as possible. Kyle, I hear you. I'm going to say, but I'm going to say something controversial. Um, if you look at the Corn Ferry young men that are coming through and they're all good and they could probably keep a PGA tour card although now with the new rules with 70 going through to the playoffs I don't know what that drill entails but if there were really these world changes they'd be winning week in and week out and if you look at the the role of winners on the PGA tour they're not corn ferry grads they will contend but they are still busy learning their craft so I think just creating a path for these kids to get to the, the 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 main stage, yeah, there's merit to that. But there's a lot that you learn when you play at that sort of league, and then you come out, and then you learn a, 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 another element to to playing golf at the high level consistently well, like a Justin Thomas did for argument's sake. He has honed his craft throughout and become a world beater. 
you know, when he was on the Corn Ferry Tour, he was good. Everyone knew it, but he couldn't win. You know, the, the learning how to win happened down there and then onto the PGA Tour. One last thing. Did anybody see the finish in United Arab Emirates this morning on the DP World Tour? Saw yeah. That, Greg? So yeah. I saw the guy playing drums afterward. So, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe this is the way it went down. Example 3022 of winning is hard. Uh, Daniel Givens stands on the 72nd tee with a two shot lead, proceeds to hit his drive into the water. Yes. Okay. Hits his third off the tee right down the middle of the fairway. So now, as he's in the fairway, hitting his fourth, the guy in front of him, who's like his biggest competition, makes bogey. So now Daniel is in the middle of the fairway with a three shot lead. Greg, is this accurate? Yes. Um, in fact, the guy behind him, behind Daniel, um, had uh, who was Lombard was yes. four shots back. Correct. So in this situation, what is the only thing you cannot do from the middle of the fairway? Hit it in the water. Guess what Daniel did? <laughs> Hit it in the water. Hit it in the water. Four in the water, five out. He hits a very mediocre pitch onto the green, 30, 35 feet. And Greg? I would say poor. Poor? What does he do from there? Uh, well, he won. So he hooped it. He made he it was right it in the double. middle. It's, it's yes. the dumbest sport in the world. Yeah. I don't I don't know how I don't know how pros are not all in straight jackets. Yeah. I, I don't I know don't, how you like just I mean that's it's you that's don't know that they aren't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Daniel Gavin hoops it for double and wins. Yeah. After putting two in the water on the 72nd hole, an absolute criminal. How his caddy let him pull three wood on the fairway <laughs> is criminal. I would have snapped that club over my knee and said, you are hitting seven iron down the left here, hitting wedge on the green, two putts and going home with a trophy. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't always fault the club selection in these cases. When you have a two shot lead, play the hole. But you have to know you can't hit it in the water, right? You you have to you have to change your center, the center of the hole. This is what Lonto Griffin did when he won. He he said this in an interview. It was great um, when he won the Houston Open. The right bunker was the center of my fairway. I mean, I got the world to the right, and if I hit it in the fairway, if I hit it in the fairway. I missed. Right. And and that's where that's what he that's what he could have done off the tee and in the second shot. I don't fault the club. You know, hit it, hit three wood up there, but it's going so far left. It's a you're hitting a foul ball left. And then you and then you play along along the water. It's that's an option. All I'm saying is it's not necessarily the club choice. I think that gets overplayed sometimes. Uh, but the the line that he took uh, and the swing that he made, not great. Hey, Greg, when that sphincter tightens, it pulls on that tendon on your brain, man, and it just shuts everything down. It's real. It, it shuts it down. <laughs> yeah, uh, I it, I guess so. It reminds me of a. It reminds me of a story I want to share real fast. And I heard this from Butch Harmon, who learned this. He and his brothers from his dad Claude, and it pertains to Pebble Beach because when they were youngsters, Billy Harmon was really good, but they could never beat their dad. And so their dad took them in this bet that he couldn't hit a ball left, and so he they lost all their pocket money basically. And the lesson was, if you're standing on the 18th tee, 
and the toe closes past the heel, you lose. If you're standing on the 18th tee with the water in the Pacific Ocean down the left, if the heel leads through there and the ball's to the right, you win. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's like pick whatever club, but know where the miss has got to go. And if you yeah. honestly listen to John Course commentary from the players when you get to hear it, you'll hear them talking more about where they're going to miss and where they're going to make the shot. And if they hit these heroic stuff, oftentimes that's kind of they've missed their targets. Well, congratulations, Daniel. It was not pretty, but you got the job done for your second career DP World Tour title. Congratulations. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble here because 47 minutes in, I'm going to hit our first ad break, and then we're going to spend just like two seconds on Phoenix and get out of here. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. And we're back. Okay. Phoenix next week, absolutely stacked field. Uh, we'll have boots on the ground. Kyle, it is my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that th that we are going to be doing post-round recaps from a giant stage that they built on behind the driving range that are going to be fed possibly live to this YouTube channel, the, the Golf on CBS YouTube channel. That's some version of what's happening. They let they let me out of my cage here in Dallas, and I'm going to fly down there and say some absurd thing. It, I mean, listen, like 
I was I was most excited about the elevated events coming into 2023 of of anything that was going to take place. I mean, other than the majors, obviously, but this is this is sort of like the players' championship, but in Phoenix. I mean, you've got 23 of the top 24 eligible players. Uh, Zalatoris is not playing, and then obviously Cam Smith and and uh, Neiman are not eligible. But other than that, you've got the top or 23 of the top 24. You've got basically Rory and Rom against the field based on how well they're playing. You've got Phoenix, you've got the Super Bowl. Mm. And it, I mean, it, there, it's, it's really exciting. Um, and you've got Riviera the week after. It, it feels on the next two weeks, it feels like. I mean, they're always really good. I mean, last year they were awesome, right? With Scheffler and then Neiman wins Riviera. But I think this year, especially with all the guys that are playing, the the level that those events are at, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be extraordinary. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun, Mark. I'll see you there. Yeah, well, there, we're gonna I'm, miss you, Greg. Oh yeah, I'll be uh, <laughs> missing you guys too. But it's uh an exciting week for sure. You sound you sound frustrated. No, I'm not frustrated at all. I'm I'm thrilled to watch it on the couch. I'm just I'm going to be a lot paler than you guys when <laughs> when you get back. Yeah, but I'm probably going to be in bed a lot earlier, which I don't mind. I I, I, I said this on HQ, Rick. I, I do not want to go to the 16th hole. Uh, I will walk through it in a practice round. I do not want to be there during the <laughs> the main event. I'll post up on 17. I think 17 is is fascinating. Just a super interesting hole. It always comes into play at the end of that tournament. And uh I'm I'm frightened of 16. I don't want to be I don't think I want to be near there. Have you been in there before? No. My, my last year um it, it I had Xander and Cantley. We're hardly the two most exciting personalities in the world, but they're great players, right? And this is in the final round. And so I've got my crew that work with me and my daughter, Isabella, was along. And she walks along and she gets yardages for me at certain events. So we go in there and I say, Izzy, just walk the path, hug the edge, stay close to Craig. And and so she walks in and I see her just with her head down. I'm like, look up at least, you know, so you see the wildness going on. And there'd been the noise before the time, and she's walking down the right-hand side to kind of the other tunnel, and she gets hit in the back of the leg with a hot dog. So <laughs> when you walk through there, we're a – yeah, we're a hot that's, that's why I'm going to be on 17 and not 16. It's great. It is absolutely crazy. I mean, it's um, – hell, the, the line to get into the 16th hole is as long as anything you could imagine. It's just bananas. Rick, Rory, Rory, and Rom or the field. Field, but I field. love the but I love the idea that it's those two versus the field. I think it's very fair. <laughs> I wonder what the. I wonder if we can get Caesars to give us a number on that for next week. That'd be a fun. Yeah, just go around the room. Uh, That's what, fun. What you're picking based on the on the number. Uh, okay, so here's how this is going to work. We will, I guess talk about the winner of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am on Monday during the DFS show. We'll probably have another early Tuesday mega preview, and then we will be pumping content from Phoenix, apparently live onto this YouTube channel, uh, is what they have told us. So make sure you're subscribed and all that fun stuff, because it's about to get bonkers. 
Anything else? Pumped. So pumped. Okay. Producer Troy, thank you very much. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.